most people think. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of What Most People Think. Have have you been out yet? Have you been out? I see, I went out the other night and I didn't get drunk, everybody. I crowdfunded a pub and there's a difference, right? I was doing my bit. It's, it's amazing that you can drink and feel patriotic and post photos of it and everyone going, good for you, man. Good for you going out on the smash on a Tuesday. I didn't do it on the Monday. I didn't get out on the Monday. But fair play to those brave souls that went out there because it was like fucking hailstone the night before. And you'll be proud. You'll be proud looking back that you did that. It's a good one to tell the grandkids, I think, that you went out on Freedom Monday or whatever the press probably called it. Um, because I, what I think will happen is this generation that are at school now that have been forced to wear masks, they're going to kind of react against the sort of pussy elements of millennials and Gen Zers, and they will be absolute caners and you will be it'll, be, it'll be like you fought in the war. It'll be like you fought in the war. Uh, it will be the most British thing that you ever did going out on the piss, sitting there. Did you do it sitting in a, in a beer garden at 11am with snow still visible or hail, whatever it was in the background. It One day that that photo will look like, remember those ancient photos we saw you remember those those guys in New York that were sitting on the girder having their lunch, sitting above the New York City skyscape? You'll, you'll seem every bit as, as kind of uh, reckless <laughs> and free-spirited as that. We went out on the Tuesday. We went out on the Tuesday. And it was important. It was an important choice, you know, because I was going in there, this place. They do nice food. They do nice drinks as well. And as we were going in, we saw food and drinks coming out. I saw, like, some fancy grub and... You know those gin things where gin now gets served in a small swimming pool? And I thought, what am I going to have? And, and then I thought about it. You know, they do pizzas. There's a good veggie option. Not really. Is there a good veggie option ever? I mean, like if, if there's no other food, then then yeah. Uh, but I went, I went for burger and chips and <laughs> a pint of Peroni. Because look, the point is, is I'm getting my eye back in. You know, I'm getting my eye back in. And I don't want to regret my choices. I've missed draft lager. I now, I think forever, and I mentioned this before, but like my dad grew up when rationing was still a thing. So he never really got over his relationship with butter. And I'm going to have that with draft lager. There was a period in my life where I couldn't have it. And it's, it's actually making me emotional now. It tasted so good because this was a longer lockdown than the previous one uh, last year, at a similar time last year. And I wanted a pint, you know, I'm not, I'm not having a fancy drink now. And the, the risk in not having steak or a burger is that you will be jealous of somebody that made that choice. Do you know what I mean? Like you might, you go, oh, fuck. You know, I should have just kept it simple because, right, someone else gets a mushroom risotto and they go, oh, the mushroom risotto is amazing. Yeah, okay, yeah. Maybe if I went out every day in a week, maybe on by the Friday, I might think, oh, fuck it, I'll have a mushroom risotto. But not last night. I was getting my eye back in. Speaking of getting my eye back in, I did a cricket net last week I went and did a bit of cricket for the first time in a long time and I was good news good news your boy Jeff has still got still got it still got my repertoire of two shots yeah still got them in the locker the the uh, hesitant defensive forward defensive backward defensive two shots really and a square cut like if you bowl it wide enough and slow enough I may swing at it but one thing I did notice was that since I last played I think obviously with the, the tragic death of Philip Hughes in Australia everyone wears helmets now even batting in the nets 
So I bowled in, like I was first in the net. So I was like, let's, you know, because I was a bit nervous, as you would be having not played for a while. I thought, let's just, just, just get amongst it early. I went down there with no helmet on, and there was like whispers and people, oh, get him, get him. I wasn't being brave. I just didn't know, man. <laughs> I just didn't know. I looked like one of those 1920s cricketers going in there with a cigarette on the go and a whiskey in each hand. Um, but yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Bowling. Bowling was harder. I thought batting would be harder, but there's something about wearing the pads and stuff that gets you into the right body position. But bowling, my God, at 44, you look down the other end, just simply going, I've got to get this down that far. Not easy. Not easy. But the following day, I'll tell you something, man, with the different muscle groups that you use, I was walking like uh, I was walking like Andy Dufresne after the shower scene in Shawshank. Boo, Jeff, bit early for that. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, new patrons, just one this week. Just one this week. Always nice to have new patrons. Keeping the podcast weekly and ad free. Like I was saying, there's brilliant podcasts with lots of advertising. I've chose to go another way, so I don't ever really get asked any questions by anybody, you know. And we have a a, a new patron this week is Tim G. Just Tim G. Are you related to? Dario G. Was that, is that was that a guy? Hey, um, 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 uh, do, 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 do. do you remember that one? Yeah, it's in your head for the rest of the day too. Look, the Patreon thing is going to keep ticking over. Next week, there's going to be an article, exclusive article to Patreons. Uh, always, there's always a Patreon-only episode uh, each month and a date for your diary. Let me just check, make sure this is the right one. Fourth uh, of August. That week is going to be, is it 4th? No, it's the 3rd. 3rd of August, that week is going to be uh, the 100th episode. And I'm looking at doing a live event. And I'm going to get moans now. It will be in London, you know, because just most of my... Oh, fucking London, eh? Maybe we'll do something later in the year uh, a, a bit further north. But I know a venue, basically. I know a venue in London that are very sort of sympathetic to the kind of non-woke comics and stuff like that. So I'm hoping to get a good deal with them and it will be, uh, I'm hoping it will be free to patrons, all right? So date for the, I've committed to it now, date for the diary, 4th of August, and that will be a big Patreon benefit. A live podcast record, probably with guests, uh, it'll be a good night. Uh, Cuss count for last week with the Sean Walsh episode, loads of great feedback uh, for that. It's funny, right? It's okay, we can do that sometimes, just have a funny episode, so every... You know, <laughs> some of you now go, yeah, Jeff, you're a comedian. That's what we were fucking waiting for. Um, but it was, yeah, a lot of people loved the episode with Sean Walsh. And the, if you haven't listened to it yet, there's a couple of uh, very embarrassing... We basically just... It was like an episode of Friends when you know they try and tell embarrassing stories about each other. So do check it out. But there was quite a lot of swears. Uh, 36 fuckings, 8 fucks, 7 shits, 2 wankers and 2 pisses. That is, that is nearly a swear a minute. It hasn't been up at that rate for quite a while. But I'm sure you'll be interested in, mostly, what I am interested in which is where Sean comes in there. Sean, 14. That's good. I was I was expecting big things from Sean, but that puts him third in terms of average swears uh, behind Romish, still top by a long way. David Badil had 20 swears on his one appearance and, and Sean now tucks in in third there. But I can sure, I'm sure that if he comes back to the podcast, he'll be looking to uh, work on that. Uh, in terms of what we're going to talk about this week, it is, uh, we're going to be looking at Prince Philip, obviously, the, the death of Prince Philip and the great legacy that he believed behind him. We'll talk about some of the coverage and all the fucking numpties that have to... Tell. I mean, look, I, we'll get onto this in a minute. But, like, you know, there were people making jokes very quickly. I, I'm a comedian. I, I'm happy. My, basically, my mum had a rule, which was always... You know what? Let's turn this into uh, to the fuck you. Okay? With an early fuck you. For the people that... Um, 
that did shit jokes about Prince Philip. Now, I, I don't, I've never, as a rule, made a joke about anyone that's died on the day that they died. Call me old-fashioned. I just sort of think, give it a day at least. Just, you know, just everyone deserves dignity and death, no matter what you thought of them. Uh, but some people were getting involved with, uh, with a few jokes. And you're just like, oh my God, like, make them good, will you? For fuck's sake. I just thought... You're stepping into potentially dangerous territory here. There's nothing wrong with that, but at least, at least let's have some quality threshold. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but anyway, we'll get. So we've done the fuck you there. Fuck you to shit Prince Philip jokes. Uh, we talk about David Cameron. You know, people. Are, oh yeah, right wing comedian just always supporting the Tories. Um, looks like David Cameron's been uh, getting his beak wet, doesn't it? So we're going to talk about the lobbying row there, and then as a guest for a men's mental health section is my mate Matt. Matt Marnie, uh, very close friend of mine. Um, he he as well. I, I don't want to like kind of ruin it, but he's a very uh, unique person. A lot of people find him a very inspirational person in terms of mental and physical fitness. But you know, it's not coming from the angle that you normally expect. You know, like Namaste. He's not that guy. Okay, he's very much uh, a normal bloke that that's uh, gone into areas of of mental wellness that I think you might find of interest. So that will be the men's mental health section this week. And just a uh, just a thank you, I'm going to say to my AFC Wimbledon boys, I mean, my God, we have not, we've barely won a game by more than one goal since we've been in League One. But not, not that often even in League Two. Last Saturday, we beat Accrington Stanley, and if you are of a certain vintage, you'll have already said something in your brain now. Here it is. The worst thing, right, as a comedy writer, is when you're in a writing room and you reference something and everyone else is younger than you and you have to explain it. <laughs> And I remember I was doing something for a topical show and a politician had been to uh, Accrington. I went, yeah, who are they? And there was all these young millennial type writers that just looked at me curiously. I was like, it was a, uh, it was an ad. Look, I'm a gammon. Can we just move on? Uh, so yeah, David, uh, Cam- what the fuck was I talking about? Oh my God. Now, having just said I'm old, I'm genuinely, genuinely having uh, a senior moment there. Fuck. I'm going to have to stop this and listen to it back and find out what I was talking about. Oh, so that was a bit sad, really, wasn't it? <laughs> I was going great guns there. Now I now I think that I might have early onset dementia. I was, of course, talking about AFC Wimbledon, who won five one against I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through the thing, Accrington Stanley, who are they? Alright. And then and then on Tuesday night we played Ipswich at home, our new home plough lane. Never beaten Ipswich. If you're a football fan, you'll have had one of these weird teams. It's not even like one of the big teams, you just all real fans know we never get anything out of Ipswich and we beat them 3-0. So it looks like we might stay up. And I tell you, like, it's so hard to enjoy football when every win is by one goal. So your last memory, like every time they hold up the extra minutes board, we're all having mild strokes. And, you know, given my inability to remember what the fuck I was talking about, clearly it's taken its toll on me. What most people think. Okay, uh, let's get on with this week's podcast. And the first subject is Prince Philip. <laughs> So as we know, last, was it Friday? It was Friday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Friday. Prince Philip passed away. Am I going to be in trouble already? How disgraceful. Research. What he gave to the country. And you can't remember what that, look, I was, I was a Prince Philip fan. Sad that he went, you know, he's, look, he's 99, you know, sad is a weird word, but, but respectful of his legacy. And then I would say this, I got the honour of being the very first person to tell quite a large group of people. I had a meeting with the publishers because the book is coming out in like exactly a month. It's coming out on May the 13th, yeah? 
And <laughs> just so you know, Waterstones have got... Oh, my God, Jeff. Are you going to do this? Are you going to crash a tribute to Prince Philip with by telling them that Waterstones have got exclusive signed uh, copies? Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. But I was, uh, I was speaking to the publishers and... Uh, and it literally just been texted by the royal, not texted. I'm not, yeah, I'm not in that circle, but um, uh, tweeted by the royal family. One minute, so I knew that they probably wouldn't know, and I just felt so unbelievably powerful, unbelievably powerful. And there was about sort of six people on the meeting. I was like, um, guys, um, Prince Philip's dead, and they were like really shocked because it's it's big news. It is big news. I know there's a lot of people. Oh, they're just a family, you know. They're just a family. I don't, I don't give a. I'm not fussed about the royal family, Jeff. Yeah, a lot of people who aren't fussed about the royal family spend a lot of time telling you how not fussed they are, don't they? You know, to the point where you start thinking it's a bit like old-fashioned homophobia. But yeah, well, you keep saying you're not fussed. I think maybe you're a little bit bi-fussed. Um, but the power of telling them, and I sort of thought as well. We all have our stories. Uh, I remember where I was that day. I've, I've, I used to do a bit about this. And, People will try and insert themselves into historically significant moments that have fuck all to do with them. Oh my God, yeah. No, my God, yeah, no. Uh, Hillsborough. I remember where I was that day. I'm like, look, if you don't have any direct connection to Hillsborough or what happened to those poor people that day, I'd say you just fucking back out with your little story. Yeah, I was in the, I was in the kitchen listening to the radio. Oh, really? Well, yeah, that's really added to the legacy of that, that awful day. Um, and yeah, their, their story, their I, I remember where I was, is going to be that I was told by right-wing comedian Jeff Norcott. That's that's not a great story, is it? They'll probably keep stumming about that. Um, but within moments, you had all the range of responses. I think there were essentially three, you know? Broadly speaking, there were three responses. Oh, that's sad. You know, he was, he did a lot for this country. You know, he was a good husband and, you know, he, he had a real sense of duty. Uh, or just not fast, you know, not fast. I'm, I'm not fast. Did I did I tell everybody how not fast I am? And then this country's gone mad. They shouldn't get everything that they do. It's ridiculous that it's even on the news. <laughs> it was something. Why are they even mentioning it that Prince Philip died? It should be. It should only be on CFAX or something because that's how outdated this country are. It's madness. The gammon. The you know. They went off on one. But it was tragic in a way that he is 99. It didn't get to 100. Uh, but not as tragic, I would argue, as Mike Atherton's 99 at Lords in the Ashes Test against Australia in the <laughs> in the early night. That was a tragic 99. He turned for that second run. Merv Hughes pelted it in from the boundary, slipped. Anyway, look, 99, maybe in a weird way, that was very Prince Philip, wasn't it? Fuck you. I'm not going to be 100. I know you lot are going to make a ridiculous fuss. I don't really want to see it while I'm alive. Off we go. Also, my missus sending me a telegram, bit patronising. I'm done. I'm done. And, you know, you look at what he clocked up. Some of the numbers about his hours of public service and speeches and, you know, all the engagements that he went to and, you know, that he, he witnessed and the things that he saw. But people wanted to kind of just say, well, I don't like him or I don't care because there was this period, I think it was around the 90s, where he had these gaffes where he'd say this un-PC stuff, and it, it led to a lot of uh, social media traffic, so may he rest in racism and all this kind of stuff, you know, people want to... And it just reminds you that there are certain people that every day they get up, racism is their, their big obsession. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of white people as well where that's all they give a shit about, right? So any evidence or any public event where they can turn it back to telling you how not racist they are, they will take that. They will take that. Did Prince Philip say some dodgy stuff? Yeah. You know, in a life lived that long, does that represent the totality of who he was? 
Does, is that a total reason for disregarding all the other shit that he did? He, he certainly toned it down, didn't he? Seemed to grow out of it, weirdly. And, you know, when you think about un-PC stuff, just remember that around that time in the 90s, he was already fucking old then. He was already old then. And think about your relatives at that time in the 90s, what they were saying. Was what he was saying any worse or better? You know, I mean, if you look, if he was roughly 70 now, he was still saying that stuff. That's a problem, Phil. That's a massive problem, you know. It was a bit of a problem back then, but you have to apply uh, context, you know. And I do, you know, in terms of the media coverage, shutting down the channels, it was a lot. It was a lot, you know, completely shutting down BBC4. I mean, no one fucking noticed is the first thing, but look, I like the Royal Family. I like them a lot, but... I'm not that sure they needed to shut down BBC Four, but I expected that for most of the day, you know, they, that normal coverage would change. And I think part of the reason for that is that he's Prince Philip and he's only going to die once, right? He's only going to die once. And you'd rather do, in the grand scheme of things, you'd rather do too much than not enough, yeah? You'd rather just slightly overdo it. It's just one day. We're living in a multi-channel age, right? It was hard to have too much sympathy for people that had had to get this, guys. Change channels. Oh my God, oh, there's just Prince Philip on every channel. What, you mean three or four channels? I'll tell you what, oh no, did you have to watch a bit of Discovery plus one, did you? Oh, you're the real victim today. <laughs> it's You know, when Princess Diana happened, though, there was nothing else we could watch. I think there's probably a more legitimate argument for the excessive coverage then, maybe, than now. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to shed any tears for a, for a Nazi. He fought the Nazis, all right? If you claim to be worried about the rise of the far right, well, here's a guy that literally fought the Nazis. Again, all they're saying is, I'm not going to give a shit about this because this is that side of the cultural war. This is for the flag shaggers, the gammons, the ukippers. My, my side, my team, we don't care about stuff like this. And consequently, we had 100,000 100, complaints. Uh, from people, I'm presuming most of this because they felt the BBC had overdone it. And I just think it's a, it's a symptom of sem- sensitivities on all sides, right? And it's also uh, sort of shows how scared broadcasters are of offending I- invested groups, right? You know, whether it comes to like race or coverage of everything at the moment, broadcasters just slightly overdo it, don't they? Because they'd rather, I guess... They'd rather it's easier to deal with complaints from people who think you did too much rather than the ones that don't think you did enough, right? That's a slightly bigger jeopardy uh, for a broadcaster. So I think, you know, when it comes to, yeah, they slightly overdid it, but it's just, it's just one day, right? It's just going to die once. And also, it's a little bit of training for when the Queen goes. And trust me, that woman is a fucking rock, and we will all feel something when she goes. So it's a bit of a dry run for that. And I think what most people think is that Prince Philip, yes, there was a period where he said some dodgy stuff, but he's overwhelming. You know, he was a witty man. Uh, he was ahead of his time in a lot of issues, and he just to put in a lot of service uh, to this country. Yes, you know, the taxpayer did probably fund him, having his ass literally wiped on some occasions, but if we can't kind of just take a moment <laughs> to remember somebody that's done their job for that long, right, then I think there's something wrong. Okay, so let's talk about the next subject. Dave, Dodgy Dave Cameron, is that going to be his nickname now? Uh, apparently, he had, you know, Danny Dyer once said that he had, he had his trotters up, didn't he? He had his trotters up. Well, he appears that he hasn't had them up. He's been busy boy. Busy boy. He appeared to, be, appeared to have 
lobbied on behalf of a company called Green Sewer, a financial services company that now no longer exists. And what he's done is uh, he's texted Rishi Sunak, right? Because uh, they wanted access to some sort of fucking loan or something. Um, the first thing I would say, right? Obviously, we'll get on to whether or not you should be texting the Chancellor. <laughs> but one rule of thumb for ex-Prime Minister's the guy was called Lex Greensill. I, I would say don't lobby for someone that sounds like a bad guy from like a Batman or DC comic. That's what I would say. Uh, hi, I'm, Le- I'm Lex Greensill. Would you do some lobbying? Well, no, your name's Lex Greensill. Okay, it sounds like what I'm lobbying for might give you access to a certain kind of uh, special kind of gas that will descend upon the city centre somewhere and only you have the vaccine, right? So that's the first rule. And the Labour, Labour, so there is going to be an inquiry by government, but Labour have sensed an opportunity, rightly so, it is politics, right, which is to to drive it home and, and want a, a broader inquiry. And they've said that the government can't be trusted to, they want a cross-party inquiry, right? And they've said that the government can't be trusted to mark their own homework, which is a really good soundbite, uh, and there is some recent evidence of that. It is slightly undermined by the fact it is coming from the Labour Party, who, if you want to talk about marking your own homework, <laughs> it's not that long since Jeremy Corbyn was the leader and there were some pretty serious issues over anti-Semitism, all right? So good soundbite, yeah, maybe not so much from you. And so it turned out in amongst this as well that there was a civil servant that was sort of moonlighting, like a senior civil servant that was also uh, working for a financial fucking civil... So- I mean, you kind of expect certain people at, uh, at certain echelons of politics to be... On the take, it's fucking civil servants. That was a weird one for me. It's like finding out the kit man at a football club has been, do you know what I mean? Taking bungs for uh, using a specific kind of shin pad. I would say this about Cameron is it's a bit grubby, isn't it? It's at the very best, it's a bit grubby. Um, I, you know, how much money do you need, Dave? How much money? You were already wealthy before you even got into politics. Politics has made you more. Wealthy. It's, uh, I mean, look, put it this way, it doesn't strike me as someone that would have had to apply for furlough. And, you know, the criticisms of, of Cameron have always been, you know, he's Bullingdon Club, Old Etonian, a bit entitled. <laughs> and then what's he do? He texts the Chancellor. Oh, by the way, can you sort out my mate? Um, I mean, the worry for the Tories is that the public have been quite fair on them, I think. You know, when, when broadly speaking, when the government have done well, in terms of the pandemic, they've polled all right. When they've done badly, they've polled badly. But at some point in the future, right, all the context of this quick decision-making in return, you know, in, in terms of PPE and certain things that were being made to help fight the pandemic, that won't be... People won't be thinking about that. It will be the the contracts that were given out during this time and, you know, who, who got rich off it? Who got... You, you just know that the Daily Mirror... In about a year and a half, they'll just be like trying to find photos of kind of associates of Matt Hancock's that now own jet skis. <laughs> That'll be like the, the chief editor of the mirror. Find me photos of one of cronies on a fucking jet ski. And in my mind, uh, editors always have to be grizzled types. And, you know, the Tories got to be careful because in terms of culture, you know, they, they've positioned themselves better than the other parties in terms of their relationship with patriotism, the flag, the armed forces, the royal family. But, you know, in terms of working class voters, one thing that could undermine that is just naked privilege and profiteering off a fucking pandemic. I mean, you know, 
I guess, look, I guess the other point is, uh, would you do it if you could, right? Would you tap up a contact if you could? This is maybe the problem. Is Cameron, old DC, who's a bit drunk with some of the Green Seal lads, you know? Uh, I don't know what he drinks. What does David Cameron drink? I don't, I don't see him as a pint guy, but I don't see him as a whiskey guy. I'm thinking it's something fragrant, right? Fancy gin and tonic. One of those swimming pool glass gin and tonics. If you've got any idea, email in on what most people think, uk at gmail.com. And they're like going, oh, we just need to get a bit of better access to these loans. And they're just sort of saying it out loud, knowing that Cameron, they're hoping that Cameron's going to chip in. And he goes, uh, hey, look, hey, hey, lads, it's fine. I know Rishi. I know Rishi. I'll call, I'll call Rishi. Don't worry about it. It's done, mate. It's done. It's done. Look, Rishi's young. Rishi's young. And he looks up to me. That's the thing. If I, I'll just text him. And it is, it is sweet as. Don't even worry about it. Rishi is like, you know, he's like a political autograph hunter. That's what, that is what Rishi Sunak looks like, doing With his little little intrepid face. You can just imagine him hanging around as a kid outside the Houses of Commons going, I just got I just got a I just got an original Norman Tevitt. Um so what what will happen? What will happen with uh, Cameron and Johnson here? One thing that Labour are saying, I guess in their motion to have a cross party uh, inquiry into this, is that they don't think that Boris will be strict or severe enough. I don't know, man. I don't know. They have beef going back a long way. Boris might savour this shit to look good in front of the British public whilst throwing Dave under a bus for doing something that Boris would almost certainly have done if he wasn't still in politics. Blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, DC old boy. You know, politics being what it is, I'm uh, just going to have to... If you, There's a bus over there. If you Look, just make it easy. It's going to happen. OK, if I could just get my hands on the back of your jacket, I'll just throw you nicely under this. And uh, but, oh, oh, yeah, I still remember you uh, ginching me in the common room at Eton, so uh, what goes around comes around, bitch. Okay, now for a very special mental health section. This is uh, my mate Matt, who I mentioned in last week's podcast with Sean Walsh, as someone who's achieved genuine change. Uh, I just thought it'd be great to get him on. I discussed med- um, counselling, meditation, all this stuff. This is someone who, who absolutely knows his onions, and it was great to have a chat with him, and that's what we're going to do now. Right, so welcome to, well this is weird because I'm welcoming a top mate, but welcome to what most people think, Matt Marnie. Oh, good to be here, Jeff. This is, uh, this is quite nostalgic actually. It reminds me of A-level theatre studies, practical, do you remember? Yeah, I mean, first, me, straight, me and you. straight out of the yeah. gate there, people are going, theatre studies, what these two I guys? know, working like class this. We have discussed on uh, the podcast before about the value of alliterative names, Matt Marnie, Going to school with you, people knew who you were. There were a lot of reasons for that, but just the name does trip, trip off the tongue. You know, has, has it been a benefit for you? Do people seem to remember it, don't they? They do. It's a benefit, obviously, in the UK. It's a massive benefit here in Dubai. And I'll tell you who loves it. Yeah. Uh, Filipinos. Filipinos love a bit of Matt Marnie. I don't know why. I've not found out <laughs> culturally what it is. I'm not yeah. joking, mate. Culturally what it is, There's obviously there's a big Filipino population here in Dubai. They work in the service industry. When I get my coffee at the, the no, Studio yeah. Republic, they say, hello, Matt Marnie. They love a bit of alliteration. So it's popular with the Filipinos yeah. and with the, the working class masses in South London as well. In terms of like uh, uh, impact, we've already said the fact that we did theatre studies might surprise people but you're yep. also a highly qualified pilates teacher how the fuck has this happened from well when we were when we were drinking super strong boat together on weekdays when we should have been revising how, how have you got to this point 
Do you know what, mate? I, I went into the fitness industry. Well, you, as you know, I went in the fitness industry because um, I wasn't happy sitting behind a, a desk. And, and I made those changes. And I was just lucky, mate, to be honest. My first job in the industry was at the Blackberry Orthopedic Clinic. I just kind of landed on my feet. So I was there for 12 years yeah. and, you know, surrounded by very bright individuals, understood the value of Pilates. So but I'm I a, a heterosexual male Pilates teacher, which is my USP. So yeah, and who sounds like you? I mean, we can't get around the fact that you sound like you know archetypal South London geezer. I, I can, I can speak properly when I'm when I'm presenting. And if you listen to my podcast, yeah. I do. No, try but and I think the way, but to too. me that that is proper. You know the way that the way that you talk. But I'm also <laughs> I'm also aware of once you get like in middle class circles, like were, were people initially. Sort of surprise because you lived in Crouch End for a while, for fuck's sake. Like, were there, hey, were, mate, I've still, my missus has still got a flat in Crouch End, so I, I will be returned possibly one no, day. I live in rural Cambridgeshire, we've, we've lost ourselves, yeah, yeah. Matt. We, we ain't what we were. <laughs> well, well, I, do you know what? To be honest, when I met my, my, my darling wife, who has had a massive impact on me, you know, personally, yeah. um, I had a bit when I used to go down and visit, I had imposter syndrome, mate. I'd sit with her middle class friends and I had imposter syndrome, but, you know, I spent yeah. enough time. She described words to me that I didn't understand, and she taught yeah. me how to organise myself at dinner. Well, like, and like, like brioche. And exactly, exactly. Love a brioche bun now. Exactly. So, no, honestly, in all seriousness, Karen, she did play a massive role in building my self-esteem. I have to hold were my you, hands Were up you doing that. Pilates? Were you teaching Pilates before you went to Crouch End? Of course I was, mate. Been a Pilates right, teacher. Right. So, so this is important. Twelve years, they, mate. I've been teaching this stuff. They didn't. They didn't teach. So they didn't turn you too much. But do you? Do no, people, no, no. But I mean, are you able to turn that to a benefit? Because I'd imagine the most people, when I think of a Pilates instructor, I'm thinking of a woman in her mid to late forties, probably called Jemima, who says like Namaste and stuff like that. So, yeah. like, do people find it refreshing the way that you are? Very obviously from a working class background and 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 very direct. No, no absolutely. It's a, it's a massive benefit. So when I'm teaching a class, see men come to my classes. So when I was I was teaching stuff in Milton Keynes, I was in North London. Men will turn up. And the fact that I I'm a big fan of going in the gym and lifting weights. I'm a personal trainer as well. That's yeah. my USP. I'll stand up there and when I describe the benefits of Pilates to someone, I can make it applicable. I can talk to you about mm. how to organise your spine and head, neck, and shoulders and sit properly. But for the boys that go in the gym, these would be the boys that I'd be deadlifting below. You know, they're, they're big buff boys. Kind of like... I well, can the blokes that make a noise when they're lifting. <laughs> these guys, the guys that drink protein... Yeah, protein <laughs> shakes. They've got little vests on. They, yeah. they sweat a lot. Well, anyway, if I'm with those boys in the gym, or even if I'm on PT courses, because I do a lot of educational stuff, the boys yeah. will be there deadlifting. I can say, look, do you know what? You haven't got any thoracic extension. And I'll go, what's that all about, Matty boy? And yeah. I go, I'll tell you what, get yourself into my Pilates class and I'll teach you all about that. Bit thoracic, of kinesthetic awareness, thoracic extension. That sounds yeah. like something from Jurassic World, like they've built an extra paddock. <laughs> <Kidding me. laughs> Everyone needs thoracic. It's all that sitting, Jeff. So we all sit in that. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm flex. sitting and yes, exactly. becoming conscious of it. So, you, yes. I mean, as a concept, I mean, we'll get on to like, like the benefits of Pilates in a, in a minute, but yeah, do you, do you find resistance from blokey blokes? I mean, even the word, I have to say, you know, I have a reaction to it. I see that as a feminine word in a way. It sounds feminine, Pilates, or it sounds like a veggie dish that you get <laughs> with a curry. Do you, do you get resistance from manly men? There is, but then that's my job as a teacher. My job as a teacher, yeah. and this is like, you know, I'm involved in the education side. So unfortunately, a lot of people are teaching Pilates. And you know, I just when I do teacher training, I say to people this, look, you know, don't just teach people how to do Pilates. I'll tell students, it's like, why are you teaching that person that movement? 
Yeah. Are you just teaching them plays, being able to justify stuff. So I can be a bit blokey. I can persuade them, come to my class. It's going to help you do X, Y, Z. But explain yeah. a bit of the, you know, a bit of the science, a bit more detail. Um, in terms of, you know, if, well, Joseph Pilates. So if they say to me, it's a bit, it's a bit feminine, Matt, I'll go check out Joseph Pilates. If you don't know who Joseph Pilates is, he is created he, Pilates. He's the no, man behind him. Is it Joseph? No, 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 it is. I, think, I, don't, I forget because I'm normally my That just sounds chamber. like a, a joke. Like if someone said to me, if oh. I was on Celebrity Mastermind, they said, who invented Pilates? I'd go, oh. Joseph Pilates. Now, now, now let me describe to you, Jeff, so people don't often know. So Joe Pilates, right? He didn't obviously call it Pilates. He wasn't, he wasn't you know, wasn't that much of a narcissist. He called it controlology, right? Joseph Pilates, he was proper alpha. When you look at his videos, every yeah. picture you see of Joseph Pilates as well, there's a picture of him, this famous yeah. picture. There's one of him when he's 22 and one of him when he's 80. It's a good advert for Pilates. He looks all lean and ripped, yeah. and he's in a little pair of pants. Joseph Pilates loved a little pair of pants. Right. And in the picture beside it, he's in his 80s. Apart from a few wrinkles, he looks the same. He's also got a little pair of pants on. And honestly, when you analyze what Joseph Pilates was doing with people back in the day, it was pretty hardcore. He trained boxers. And one of the things I think is very smart is like you appeal to the male psyche there. You say I used it for boxers. I mentioned in the podcast with Sean Walsh last week. I think it was on another podcast with Emily Dean, the Walking the Dog podcast, by the way, which do check it out. But I mentioned how often like sell the idea of counseling to blokes that the American military use talking therapies, right? So there yes. are certain things like blokes think, well, that's not for me. But then when you say Joe Pilates trained boxers, immediately I'm imagining him in there with Jake LaMotta. <laughs> and him doing some big time stretches. <laughs> no, he, he was he was proper alpha. Look, and, and I hear what you're saying, Jeff. There's probably if guys are listening to this now, and, and I admit you go to a Pilates class, 90% women, guys don't feel feel comfortable around the environment or in the environment. I understand that, but there are more and more male teachers, and genuinely, do you know what I mean? I mean, there's a mm. famous quote from Joseph Pilates, you know, you know, you, you keep your spine mobile, it doesn't matter what age you get. I think it's something along the lines of a mobile spine. You could be 60 year olds, have a mobile spine. And you've got, you're the health of a 30-year-old. You could be a 30-year-old and you've got a, a fucked up spine sitting in front yeah. of a computer all day. And that reflects your health. So I would encourage all boys. I mean, we didn't plan to come and talk about Pilates, but I would encourage anyone mm. to, to try doing some Pilates. It's going to benefit you long term. You need to look after your spine, mate. Yeah. Oh, how many boys are listening now and they've got back pain? Yeah. They're sitting there, they moan, fucking back's playing me up, Matt. Or yeah. disc bulge. That's another thing. I get told, told shit by consultants disc bulges there's all this misinformation out there go to apply this class kinesthetic awareness learn to move your spine happy days it'll help you in the bedroom as well boys this is it immediately Pel pelvic tilt if you're pelvic you've tilt boxing yes. and you've there basically you saying exactly that you're helping people be better swordsmen you, you know, I will get onto the meditation uh, in, a, in a while, but one thing that we all, we had a similar cultural experience growing up, not exactly the same, but, but similar, you know what I mean? We socialised in a certain way. We went out with our, our dark trousers and our, our kind of salmon coloured shirts on, you know. My drank, dad's, my dad's shoes I used to wear yeah, on Friday yeah, we, night. We yeah, drank, yeah, my old man's drank, shoes, I borrowed those. We drank cans of beer in the park and stuff like that. And there was a certain way of being, <laughs> it was quite, it's quite blokey, but, but both of us have separately you know, come to counselling in, in our lives as a way of, mm -hmm. of, of, of managing things. What, what was it that brought you to, to sort of get into counselling in the first place? And how did you... Oh, mate, I mean, I, I mean, this is mainly for your listeners, but my mental health, mate, pure and simple. I mean, yeah. I'm a huge advocate of this stuff. You know, I, I talk openly about it. And you yeah. were there, mate. You were there firsthand. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like late 20s through to my, Jesus Christ, about 
you know, early 30s and beyond, I battled this stuff like anxiety, yeah. depression, do you know what I mean? All this stuff, panic attacks. Now, all well and good. I was in the industry, I was working at Blackberry. It's all well and good teaching a boxer size class when you're having a panic attack. Do you know what I mean? You're all right. I was running around going, okay, let's get on the pads. <laughs> seriously, mate, try teaching a Pilates class with music down there. Oh my God. You're having a, yeah, I know. You're like, engage your core, lengthen your spine. It was a nightmare, mate. I'll be going to the toilets literally between clients. Yeah. Mate, long story short, I faced my demons. Um, I had counseling, um, meditation. This is, this is why I'm a huge advocate of meditation. It, yeah. And I can swear on this podcast. I know you've got a cuss count. I don't swear on my podcast. It changed my fucking life. There you go. I'll I'll drop the C bomb in a minute and get in trouble. But <laughs> no, I would I wouldn't do that. But but yeah, seriously, mate, so it's a it's a superpower and it's changed my life. No, it, I know, think I, you know, with with counseling, it's something that I've been, you know, been on about for a while. And I, but I also say that you got to be brave when you do it. You are very, like I actually mentioned you, name-checked you last week as somebody that I knew who like achieved proper change in their lives, you know, very rare thing. Um, but you've got to be brave, right? Because I do know people that have gone counselling and sort of said, I'm going counselling, but I'm not going to talk about that. Or they go counselling, but they say, they present, they go to, and they tell, they go there to pay money to tell a counsellor that everything's fine. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they sit, no, yeah, no, they sit no, there yeah. for an hour. You've got to be brave. Like if you have like, like a really fucked up dream. I think we all have them every once in a while where you wake up going, hang on, am I a fucking wrong one? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and and your brain does weird things at night. And just just to, to talk that that through, like there's no point in doing it if you're not going to be brave, is there? Well, do you know what I mean? I don't mean to reminisce. I know it's not about reminiscing, but when I was struggling, when I was at my lowest, this is a genuine point, mate. I'm always grateful yeah. for this. When I was at my lowest, I made that call to you. I don't even know if you remember this, mate. You got in your car from St. No, Nears, I do remember. You drove, over, you drove over to Milton Keynes, and I was in my bedroom, literally, like, literally scared. Like, you had the fear, I, yeah. Mate, you totally. Yeah, I used to I've ring you in that period. You totally. <laughs> I used to ring you, right? I'd be driving back from White Space. I remember, and I yeah. remember this thing. It was Wednesday night, right? I was single, so I didn't have no missus to lean on. I was single. I was coming home from white space, but I don't know what you were thinking. I remember ringing you up and just crying on the phone, mate. I yeah. was in bits. Anyway, you came over. I remember sitting there. I don't know what to do, Jeff. I'm fucked. And you got on the blower. I remember you got on the blower and you found my counsellor. Her name was Greta. You rang her, made my yeah. appointment. And I'm exactly like you, mate. I was. I used to sit there, go and see Greta every week. And sometimes I'd be driving over thinking, I ain't got anything to talk about. Resentful of the fact I've got to put 30 notes in her hand. That's all I was paying was 30 quid. Yeah, yeah. But, I was, but I would get there, right? And after time, I don't know what I spoke about. She might have spoke about my inner child. But you know what? There were, within that period of counselling, there were some massive light bulb moments, right? I mean, it's not just yeah. about therapy. You've got to help, help yourself, meditation, exercise, all this kind of stuff's involved. But there was some massive light bulb moments. But it's sort of like, it makes you think, I'm not, well, I'm not going mad. This isn't just happening for no reason, right? That's the fear, yeah. isn't it? It's just, no, actually, my head's broken and I'm always going to feel like this. Is, you know, it's like, I, I sort of think of it, and again, this may be in terms of appealing to a male audience, it's a bit like having an MOT or a service. Do you know what I mean? Just getting in there, change the spark plugs, fucking have an oil change. You know, it's not, it's just maintenance, isn't it? Yeah, you just hit the nail on the head, mate. So to obviously I'm putting my meditation teacher hat on here, but you just said having thoughts and feeling a certain way. So most people, when they talk about mental health, right, for most guys, a bit of stress at work, my nuts gone, I'm upset, the message is getting on my nerves, they feel a particular way, they normally go out for a run, wouldn't they? So us yeah. boys, we know that. Fuck it, I'm off to the gym. 
go to the gym, have a workout, and it works yeah. to a degree. Now, that's called the bottom-up approach. Psychologists call it a bottom-up approach. So yeah. you, you change it, you, you dictate your physiology. So your physiology, getting endorphins, affects your neurology. What people don't realize when it comes to meditation and the value is that your thoughts, so your neurology, can affect your physiology. So what I mean by that is you have a thought, right? You have a thought. Yeah. Your brain doesn't or your body doesn't know the difference between actual and perceived threat. And this is, this is a real thing. So if you're yeah. sitting there thinking about negative stuff, you still get the same physiological response within your body. I won't go into too much detail. Amygdala's tripped. You get a release, release of cortisol and adrenaline. You go into so the you mean like when you're, If you're ruminating, like sometimes I have this thing where I'll think about a meeting or, or something I've got coming up. And then sometimes, in, this is a very weird thing to admit, but in the process of that meeting, that fictional meeting in my mind, someone will mug me off, like say something, I'll go, well, if they say that, I'll say this. I will literally get to the point of throwing stuff around the restaurant in mate, my mind. <laughs> mate, it is, a, look, it is 100%. What you're talking about there, technical term, get all technical for you now, Jeff, chromesthesia, yeah. right? Chromesthesia is what the psychologists call it. Chromesthesia is mental time travel, right? Yeah. So that's what, as a species, that's our benefit. We can, we can reflect on stuff that's gone wrong and we plan for the future. Mm. That's why as a species, Homo sapiens, we've kind of dominate the planet. We're also destroying the planet. See, spiracy, watch a bit of that and find mate, out. Mate, don't bring that left-wing boy. Fucking fish, the, I'll tell you. The fuck, I see, this, is, this is Crouch Enders <laughs> done this to you, mate. I know, mate. I know. It's, we're living with a, with a liberal. But um, but anyway, go back to what you're saying. Premise these are time travel. Exactly what you said, right? So you'll have a yeah. thought. So for you, exactly for you, you've got gigs, you've got shows, you've got stuff doing in your head, right? You think about, fuck me, what if it goes pear-shaped? What if I pass out? What if I shit yeah. myself during the episode of Countdown or whatever it is you're on? Now, in your mind, yeah. you have the same response as, actually, as if it happened in real life. So you get this physiological response. Now, here's the thing. People don't realize this. Is Now, anyone know, if anyone here listens to or read Joe Dispenza stuff, Joe Dispenza talks about, you know, thoughts create feelings. Feelings yeah. create thoughts, right? It sounds a bit airy-fairy, but it's science now, right? So you have a thought. Yeah. Your body produces certain neurotransmitters, chemicals. The cells in your body feed on them, right? And then your cells start to dictate your thoughts, your lens on the world. So basically, I'll put it simply, basically you become a bit of a junkie for these stress hormones, yeah. right? Think Zamo in Grange Hill. Your, your cells in your body become accustomed to those neurotransmitters. So and it's, how, it's how you, you power yourself. Like you kind of, it's a form of energy, it's, but it's not like a healthy, to put it in a way that Crouch Ed will understand, it's, it's not a non, <laughs> it's a non-renewable form of energy. <laughs> Briefly interrupt the uh, chat with Matt there. Chat with Matt. Chat with Matt Marnie. He's, he's got one of those names. Um, like I say, this might be one of those things where it gives you an idea. You know, something that you could pursue to just make yourself feel better. If you're if you're a tough, strong man, you don't want to deal with mental health stuff, and you're absolutely crushing life, don't worry about this. This isn't for you. This is this is just one episode where I think that you know maybe it sparks something that will help you just feel better and feel more equipped to deal with the shit. Um, just speaking of the shit ending. I am out. I've got a book out and I'm on top. That's basically it. That's all I've interrupted to say is that I've got a book out, uh, May the 13th. Where did I go right? And then I'm on tour um, from September with I Blame the Parents and I cannot fucking wait. And remember, if you want to join the Patreon community, there's now a backlog. Backlog? That makes it sound negative, doesn't it? Like stuff you just got to work through. There's a, a back. What the fuck is it? 
Is this how it starts, losing your marbles? Just one week going, yeah, Norcott was fine, and then he just did episode 85 of his podcast, and, uh, well, something went wrong with his Swede. Um, oh, my God, I've just forgotten what the fuck it is. I'm talking. Back, back, log, back, cat, back, catalog. That's it. He's fine. It's all right. Call off the doctors. It's all fine. Uh, he's, I've got a back catalog of material on there. So there are, there's the whole set from the lockdown show that I did uh, last autumn. Uh, in the East End there's my whole live at the Apollo set there's Patreon only episodes and you can enjoy all that stuff you can get additional access to me free stuff new material things And but I'm sure the most important thing to you is that you keep this thing free of uh, free of adverts so that the next thing I do is get back to the chat rather than I don't know recommending a specific brand of trampoline you know, in terms of like where this is going, it's very sort of organic. Is that we've gone kind of like Pilates, <laughs> counseling to med- meditation. <laughs> the, the challenge is, is that like for blokey blokes, these are we, we, we're really challenging the listeners because these are free things that blokes of a certain vintage will will often reject out of hand. You know, they they might yeah. they Pilates. Pro, imagine a lot of them going fuck that, right? Counseling, some will go, yeah, like actually, it was all right for my mate. You know, some of them might. But then you go meditation again. We're back in an area where people go, it's just a fucking lie down, isn't it? I mean, I, you have gone like, we both sort of started finding out about meditation at the same time. I've never really sort of committed to it properly. You've gone a long, a long way with it. One of my problems with it, Matt, is I, I quite like the guided meditations, but they're always saying, so lie down, clear your mind, all this sort of stuff. And then they go, thoughts will come into your mind. It's absolutely fine, but tell them to fuck off. And then they keep telling you, <laughs> That thoughts will come into your mind. <laughs> they keep telling you it's fine, but they also go, "Don't have the thoughts." And like it's, it's oh, just... mate, mate, no, no, I, no, I hear you, I hear you. So what right? happens so, if someone's listening? No, no, yeah, they try yeah, that yeah, yeah, and they yeah. cannot shut their mind up. What's going right. on? There? Okay, okay, really good question. So, so, so a big part of meditation, just to explain to people, is it's a term called equanimity. Again, I'm using all these fucking terms, but equanimity, right? Recognizing thoughts as thoughts. Now. A lot of blokes out there, I've had people say to me, Jeff, mm. mates, right, go, can't do meditation, Matt, can't clear me fucking mind. I'm like, look, the mind isn't designed to be clear. Like, the mind is a useful tool. It's there to help us. Yeah. Yes, if you start on the guided stuff, some of the language can be airy-fairy. But what I want people to realize is when you sit down to meditate, right, and mine is a basic practice. It's, it's you know, concentration-based, breath-based. So let's say you're trying to, it's some, it is this straightforward, right? You're sitting down, you're trying to concentrate on the air at the end of your nostrils, right? Now, within a very short space of time, you'll be thinking about work, you'll be thinking about relationships, what I'm going to have for dinner. That is absolutely normal. I'll sit down sometimes and I do that for 20 minutes. The alarm goes on. I think that's a fucking waste of time, but it wasn't. So every time you catch yourself, the mind wandering, yeah, that's it. People don't explain this. That is meditation. So that is training that mental muscle every time you catch it oh fuck me i'm thinking about work again back to the breath catch it back to the breath your trait it's like a bicep curl in the gym jeff that's the yeah, purpose yeah. of it right and the idea is is that you train this muscle where you start to recognize thoughts of thoughts you might label it fuck me i'm thinking about that again come back yeah. come back hopefully what happens is you carry that into your everyday life so you're sitting there describing what you were talking about before. You're thinking about this, this thing that's going to go wrong, right? Now, until you've got a bit of awareness and you've trained this skill of equanimity, you just run with it. Your body keeps producing a cortisol. You keep getting that same response. But if you're able to go, 
Fuck me. And label it again. And that's only from practicing meditation. Yeah. By the way, it's it does work. I've noticed practice, that yeah. if you can catch it and go, there is a thought about work, or you just keep saying that there were, there is, there are worries about moving house or something. At the very least, I suppose what you get is, is, is a sort of snapshot of where your head's at. You know, you at least understand, right. I, I, I'm, a, I'm thinking a lot about this at the moment. Whereas if you don't stop and reflect, I guess you're carrying it around all day. And then what happens is being blokes, you know, it is you're worried about all this stuff. You don't really feel comfortable seeking pitting from your mates. <laughs> and then like your missus would just go, Oh, I thought we'd watch like, uh, I thought we watched QI tonight. We could fucking watch QI last three nights. Why? You know, cause just cause you had it in your head, you wanted to watch the Falcon and the winter soldier or whatever. And then your missus yep. looks at you like you're mental because your reaction to this doesn't make sense but it's big i guess it might be because your brain is cluttered and it's not finding an outlet it's not just that mate so again i don't want to bore your listeners with all this shit like but look structurally this is what people don't realize i've just described the benefit of doing it so structurally you have changes in your brain when you get stressed so your amygdala is part of the limbic system reptilian part of the brain it's the old part of the brain yeah. all he cares about is survival He's the part of your brain that's looking for predators, right? Stress. Then you've got your hippocampus, which is to do with memory, cognition. They kind of work in balance. The, the yeah. amygdala is kind of like the, the little teenager that gets a bit, he's a bit hyperreactive. Emotional balance between these two. When you get stressed, your amygdala grows in size. It's been proven. Your hippocampus shrinks. So you mm. become more reactive. Your stress tolerance goes down yeah. and you become reactive. When you meditate regularly, you're training this muscle equanimity you get structural changes in your brain literally your amygdala shrinks your hippocampus grows if you google matter can we just Ricard, stop to just have a yes. laugh at the two names there <laughs> amygdala i've got i've got in my mind little spanish bloke a little bit intense oh, uh, it and, could and, be yeah 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 and, and hippocampus, yeah. I've just, I don't know why I've got an idea of, of a hippopotamus, but you know, like in films when people take acid, like yeah. and he's just enjoying finding his own mind. I don't know if that helps. No, 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 it does help. If it helps people remember, but yeah, point I'm trying to make, so I don't want to get too, too serious and technical on the, on the show, but, but just, just the, the process of meditating is going to, is going to create structural changes, right? If you, if you Google happiest man in the world, right, this, mm. Tibetan monk will pop up called. And he's got a massive, has he got a massive cock? Huge, mate. <laughs> Fucking massive. And yeah. that is because of meditation. His cock got med- bigger because he, and that's why he's and so Pilates. happy. Because, you know, we've we got a bit of a time limit here. He's, I just wondered yeah, sure. on a practical level, if, because I remember like the first meditations I did were, were on YouTube. If there was just one like, like oh, an, yeah, an entry yeah. level, like five to yep. 10 minute jobby that people could do. Is there one that we should 100%, look 100%, mate. Yeah, so look, you, this is the problem. So you've got stuff like Insight Timer, Headspace, Calm. You've got all these apps. And for yeah. a lot of people, language is just far too fluffy. I started with a guy called Mark Williams, not to be mistaken with a snooker player, but yeah. Mark Williams, spelt the same, on Spotify. Right okay. now, his is if boys are looking for and girls, if you're looking for something straightforward, look for concentration based practice. Yeah, you know, breath based practice. So I started with Mark Williams on Spotify, little five minute ones. When you go on YouTube, mate, there's all sorts. There's chakra. Mm. It's too much for people. You know, that's where you can go with this stuff. And there's loads of different forms of meditation. But if they just want to sit down and do it, basically, yeah. don't use guided. Sit down and see if you can concentrate. <laughs> on the sensation of air in your nostrils for five minutes. Five see minutes. See, that, I think it's good yeah. to start with, with five minutes because people can get 
freaked Absolutely. out. And obviously, we, totally. I mean, we're, we're scratching the surface here of, of like your your expertise and your areas and stuff. You know, obviously, I'd love to have you back to develop some of these chats. But also, you got your podcast. Uh, what's yes. your podcast called? Uh, it's called the Matt Marnie Fitness Show. Yeah. So it's uh, we are nine episodes in, and actually, coincidentally, yeah, this week's episode is me chatting about this shit for an hour. Just okay. a meditation week, um, but yeah, there's nine. There's nine episodes. Look, basically, uh, the the idea of the podcast is uh, there's still lots of misinformation out there, Jeff. You know, yeah. there is loads of well, shit one out of, there. One, I mean, one of the great things about the podcast is like the, there is a, a, a technical side of it which is interesting to get into, but also the way that you sort of sort of myth bust in a way. The, the, one of the episodes I listened to was this idea of like men and women need to train differently. I've always thought that, yeah, women get toned, men build muscle. And like you, you just sort of took that apart really. And if there's any ladies listening, I'm sure they would like to think, oh, I don't want to be manly and stuff, but you bit by bit illustrated why, why there shouldn't be a difference. I love the idea that the genders are and the sexes are completely different, but there's, there's so much, like if people don't understand about Pilates, I've done a whole episode with a very bright individual out here. I work for a training provider. We have a chat about Pilates for now. Look, bottom yeah. line is, mate, I've been paid for over 10 years. I've been paid to educate Pilates teachers and PTs. And my job is to teach them their stuff and then help them describe it to Joe public. Yeah. And the podcast is just about saying, fuck this. There's still so much shit going on out there. Let's cut the yeah. middle man out. Why don't I just put a podcast out and tell mm. you lot what I'm telling these PTs that they need to tell you lot. So all I'm trying to do with this podcast is just put some information out there. I love it anyway, because I get to meet really cool people. Yeah. I'm constantly learning. Um, it's out. It's on Apple and Spotify. If, if people want to follow me on Instagram, Instagram, it's just Matt Marley Fitness. Matt Marley Fitness on Instagram. Well, Matt Marley Fitness on Facebook. Well, we know they're going to remember the name. That's one. Of one, course. One. Don't forget the fitness. Don't forget the fitness. Part. Matt, Matt Marley fitness fitness yes okay. and if they follow me i'm putting content out i'm all over the ground now son i'm putting content out weekly and it's just again it's just information that people can digest there's a whole postural seated postural series on there all yeah. sorts of stuff well obviously you know um, people going back to work in office and stuff like that and all this stuff exactly valuable. but yeah exactly. i'd love to come back and, and and develop some of these chats on a future episode but matt marnie thanks for coming on what most people think been a pleasure jeffrey So that was the chat with Matt and I hope, look, you know, I'm interested in your, your response there. Which things got you thinking? Uh, do email me at whatmostpeoplethinkuk at gmail.com. And I guess I just thought I've spoke about a lot of these things about how you improve your well-being and how how you just feel better. And I thought it's time to put some meat on the bones and Matt is probably the best person in just an everyman way of relaying how you could potentially you know, it's the new normal, right? You could be the, the new fucking you. You could do, I'll, I'll meditate now. So I am, you know, I do some Pilates. Joseph Pilates, I didn't see that coming. But uh, he's, it was real buzz as well. You know, Matt is, you know, just we go back years and having him on the, the podcast. So do look him up uh, and check him out. Now, uh, we just have one letter this week, which we will deal with now. This is uh, from Richard, one of my patrons. Remember, as patron, I read every single message that you send me and I respond, I think, to all of them. It might take a couple of weeks, but eventually I'll get back to you. And he said, and I think it's very apt given what's happening at the moment, who'd win in a fight between Prince uh, Harry and Prince William? On the Okay, on the face of it, you're going Harry. He's got the rage. He's got the red top as well, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> there's the doubts over who his real dad is there's just a lot more anger. Prince William he's the heir to the throne you know he's the older brother 
Is it that simple though? Is Prince Prince William is he taller? Let, what's the tail of the tape here? Let's let let's compare them. So Prince William height. Because these things 1.91 meters. I don't know why that's in American, but whatever. Uh, in American, some people can Jeff. That's not how it works. Uh, oh, so Prince William 1.91 meters. Prince Harry 1.86. Now I'm I'm not sure that if I put Prince Harry reach, <laughs> should I just Google it? Uh, is anything will come? No, it's not. It says the Queen will reach out to Prince Harry. Obviously, Jeff, they're not going to have boxing style statistics. But, you know, sometimes when you're privileged and you're the, the heir to the throne, he's the older brother. Maybe he bashed up Harry a lot when he was younger, as brothers do. Harry still remembers that. He does have the rage. I think it would, when he, when you talk about a fight between two brothers, I'm thinking it goes the, dif, the distance. Maybe Harry leaves his jaw out. You know, he's just got, you know, like he swung so hard with that Oprah interview. And maybe Wills just does a bit of old-fashioned Queensbury rules type, bit of old-fashioned pugilism, just picks him off. Round eight, just starts to pick him off. Harry's punched himself out. Uh, Megan's left the corner. She's, she don't want to stick around and see it go, <laughs> go wrong. Kate's just sitting there like Talia Shire, Adrian and Rocky. You know, she's just keeping her mind in her business. Whereas Megan's gone like uh, Bridget Nielsen in Rocky Four, she's just she's she's backed out. She's not backing a loser, and then yeah, William just slowly grinds him down, uh, and eventually and eventually William. And then at the end, uh, Harry realizes that Megan's gone, and just like the end of uh, Rocky Four, saw you know pretty much kickstarted the end of uh, the Cold War. So this boxing match uh, brings Harry back uh, to his estranged family. So yeah, winning the eighth round for Prince William. Okay, that is pretty much the end of the podcast. Uh, we always end with a few reviews. Thank you to everybody leaving uh, five-star reviews and nice reviews across any platforms that you can find. It helps. If you can't afford to do the Patreon thing for now, that is a solid that you could definitely do me. Just leave a five-star review wherever it is you get your podcast from. We just got one on the iTunes this week, and that is from... That is from... It doesn't say... It's from, oh, it's from Rob Atkinson. I'm imagining Rob Atkinson, maybe he's, uh, he's a lapsed Lib Dem. Yeah, Rob, not wearing the sandals quite so much these days, Rob, right? Uh, it's excellent fun. Been a fan for years. And this is my favourite and the funniest podcast around. Good selection of guests. And this is a weekly island. That's a very Lib Dem phrase, isn't it? A weekly island. Rob's probably fucking fuming now. Fucking Lib Dem. I'll leave you a good review. This is what I get. A weekly island. of People always think that uh, Lib Dem's going to be offended. As I've said before, they just like being spoken about. Um, weekly island of common sense in a sea of woke nonsense. Oh, he said woke nonsense. Maybe he's not a Lib Dem. Like I say, maybe when Brexit happened, he was a Lib Dem then. Saw those people saying that all the working class people are stupid and racist. He fucking jumped ship. Plus, as a bonus, the funkiest theme tune. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Yeah, the theme tune I get, uh, it was made by a friend of mine called Steve Shanyaski. Brilliant comic, but he also operates as a music producer called Subdiffuse. And he, uh, I'd say if you're starting a podcast or you've just got something you need original music made for, I gave him the loosest fucking remit and he come up with all this stuff for me. I just said a bit dancey, do you know what I mean? A bit like, a bit of a robot voice and uh, he did that. So as we, as I start to tease in the track now, this was made by the one and only Subdiffuse. So like a DJ, let's let the main bit, let's wait for the drop. Lockdown, 
Tune.